0: This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits.
1: Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asian to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network Podcast. My name is Brian.
0: And my name is Maggie
1: and we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals.
0: We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Maggie. My name is Brian. And today we have a very special guest. His name is Vincent Kitarachargarn. He is the founder of Dang Foods the first and only Asian American snack company. He is a Forbes 30 Under 30 honoree and has won multiple Sophie Awards for best snack. He started the company in 2012 after he told his Thai Chinese mother about his pop-up restaurant and she gave him a recipe for man kum, a Northern Thai dish that requires toasted coconut. Vincent made the dish, tasted the toasted coconut and then immediately called his family to find more because it. Tasted so dang good. He then formed a company and named it Dang after his mother. Vincent, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Maggie. Nice to nice to meet you and thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, we're super excited to have you on. I want to dive into who you are. You know, how do you, I mean, we got the idea that you got the, you know, the idea to start Dang foods from your mom's recipe, but what was that journey like? from the very beginning to now, how did that idea go from, Hey, this is a great idea. How do we turn this into a company? What's the process like?
2: Yeah. So to, I think to understand Dang, you got to go into family, right? So Dang is my mom's name to start off. Um, that's the first thing I usually tell people. And when I tell, especially women and especially moms, they're like, face just lights up. They're like, Oh my God, you named it after your mom. Um. But my family has always been really, really tight knit and also really, really into business uh, and into food. So I'm just kind of com- combining all those things. Um, Going back to, you know, my grandparents, they started off uh, doing business in Thailand. And then my grant, my parents moved to the U S and, uh, did graduate school here and decided to stay here and they started businesses, importing goods from Thailand to the U S. And as I was growing older and kind of, you know, becoming an adult, um, I looked of course to my family and saying, okay, you know, how can I, uh, kind of take what they've built and, and build the next, you know, ring on the ladder. So, um, I kind of mixed what i was really interested in which was food with what they're really good at which is international business um and uh originally it started out as a pop-up kind of like boba guys uh we started out as a pop-up in san francisco and that was really just to make interesting thai food that you don't really see in the restaurants here and uh that you know the, the one ingredient that um, really captivated us was this coconut chip idea. Um, so I called up my brother who happened to be in Thailand and he sent me some samples and we were like, Oh man, this needs to be a thing in the U S. Like it was just one of those moments where you're like, you find something, and you're like, Oh my God, I love this. This needs to be known and you want to be the one to bring it. So um, we never wrote a business plan. We just kind of jumped in and said, okay, how can we bring this to the U S and mm. uh, start selling it? And, and um, just started asking a lot of questions to people in the industry.
1: Yeah, definitely really love that story, too. And, you know, there's a lot of challenges of being the first in the United States. How do you guys overcome that pioneering challenge to bringing that flavor and making it mainstream?
0: Yeah, because a lot of people, they're not familiar with coconut chips, right, or toasted coconut chips. So it's also the familiarity and like getting people to actually be comfortable with trying something new. And so Mm -hmm. how did you get them to feel comfortable with
2: that? I I think our challenge uh, as a small company trying to, you know, make something Asian popular in the US is, is 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 the same as just about anybody who's taking something that's culturally appropriate or culturally relevant to them um, and trying to to sell it here in the US whether it's you know boba or you know korean sauces like gochujang or seaweed or sriracha like all those things require some sort of um, uh, I guess, you know, to, to U S culture. So, you know, for me, you know, eating Thai food has always been, uh, you know, second nature. Um, and then, you know, Thai food has gotten real popular in the U S right. So you you really have to find an anchor in people's minds when you're introducing something new to something they're familiar with. So for us, the coconut chip anchor was coconut oil because at the time we launched eight years ago, coconut oil was just on fire. You know, um, it started with coconut water and then people are like, Oh, you cook with coconut oil. And so, you know, especially when talking to folks in our industry who are very health obsessed, um, it was it was clear that they knew the health benefits of coconut oil. So I could say, "Oh, these are coconut chips. They're made from coconut. All the health benefits of coconut oil. You eat it as a snack. You can put it on your toast, your oatmeal, your yogurt, your salads." Um, you know, it really helped to have that frame of reference for people. Um, and then when it came to building a brand, we talked, you know, we we thought about, okay, what's the, the frame of reference for, um, you know, people when they think about Thailand, uh, when it comes down, to when when I was growing up, it was always food, right? It was always like, oh, you're, th- oh my God, I love Thai, I love Thai, I love mango sticky rice, I love Thai tea. And so... And so taking that one step further, you're like, okay, great. You love Thai food, right? Like, have you ever tried this snack or this snack or this snack? And we realized that there's no real brand representing, you know, Southeast and Eastern Asian, um, healthy snacks. Right. And I think that's, that's an element that we really care about. Is like, you know, purity of ingredients, not putting too much sugar in there. Like Asian food in Asia tends to be more plant-based tends mm-hmm. to be lower sugar. tends to be less processed than American food. And so if you look at like the core, of the American diet is extremely unhealthy. And then you look at like Eastern diets, um, they tend to be much healthier. And it, it kind of, you know, it's not just food, but it's also this entire approach to, health and wellness, you know, Eastern approaches tend to be more about preventative medicine and preventative practices, just eating healthier, exercising, right? Whereas Western tends to be, I mean, second like you go into your hospital, they're giving you antibiotics. So it's like, it's very reactive to whatever symptoms you create. So um, we just want to take like our mission as a company mm-hmm. is to share uh, our culture for a healthier, more flavorful world, which to us means taking those you know, actions to be preventative about uh, avoiding, you know, obesity, disease, diabetes, like all these problems that kind of plague the Western world.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah, I think that's amazing too because essentially you're bringing an unfamiliar product to a market and mm-hmm. and marketing towards the towards the ingredients who are or that are familiar to the U.S. market. You know, you guys know coconut wine, You guys know this the, the popular items. I think it's a really that's a really creative and smart marketing idea, you know, how you can integrate that into mainstream culture. And I do agree. Like there's a huge health craze right now that's going on is like, what can mm-hmm. I eat that's healthy? Even for ourselves too, when we look at our, our stuff that we eat, it was like, does it have coconut oil? Does it have this? Does it have that? What mm-hmm. protein does it have? And it's really creative how you're able to hone into that as a part of your campaign to to marketing foods.
0: Well, yeah, I definitely agree with Brian. I think that, you know, back then, no one really cared about, you know, what they were intaking into their body. No one really paid attention to the health concerns and, you know, what they were actually consuming. But nowadays, you know, especially in the Bay Area, even like in California in general, people are like, making sure that everything that they're eating is, like, gluten-free and, like, sugar-free and everything like that, making sure that everything that they're eating is very healthy. And Dang Foods, you know, coconut, onion chips, those are all, like, extremely healthy choices. And so that's really amazing. Um, We saw a couple of videos prior to our interview, and we saw that before you were branded as uh, Dang toasted coconut chips. So it sounds like you went through a rebranding. What was that point in time where you decided, you know, you guys were getting big, you guys wanted to do some rebranding and rebrand yourselves as dang foods?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So, we, you know, we always put dang right front and center on our package because it's a word that means something in a lot of different languages, but especially in English and in Thai, right? So in Thai it means bread. It's also a name, um, my mom's name. And then in the U.S., it's a euphemism for damn, right? And people say dang when they taste something good or something happens or they stub their toe. It's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's an easy word. and it's, it's very short and it's one syllable, which is beautiful. Like if you can do, you know, something short and easy, um, much more memorable. And something wrong, like my last name. Um, now, now, now. As far as branding goes, let me take you kind of through the, you know, the evolution because there has been an evolution. At the beginning, we were just one product. Literally, we just came out with just coconut chips, and I was like, oh, it'll be like coconut water, yeah. Um, we can just sell one, you know, one item, one skew in different sizes. So I tried doing that, um, and then pretty quickly realized if you have one item on a shelf in a grocery store. Now, there's fifty thousand items in a grocery store. You kind of get lost unless you have many, many, many facings. <laughs> (laughs) So we quickly came up with different flavors, right? So we have caramel sea salt. We had, you know, developed an unsweetened version, which is actually super popular. People who have keto diets, paleo diets, whole 30 diets, like they love this because it's just coconut and salt. And then... Pretty quickly, we, we created this, you know, line of coconut chips. And then um, we branched out and said, okay, what else can we import from Asia? You know, we looked at onion chips. We did um, We have sticky rice chips. Uh, we call them Thai rice chips now. Um, and then we created this, like, line of different bag snacks from Asia. And then, you know, we also looked at, okay, what can we do as far as, like, how, you know, the American consumer is eating? And what are they telling us that they want more of? So, as I was saying, the unsweetened coconut chip was super popular with um keto, whole 30, you know, low sugar diets. And those consumers were telling us, hey, we want more of this. We just like you yeah, can't get enough of it. Um and at the same time I was doing a keto diet and I was like, oh my God, this is great. I like, you know, can stay mentally focused all day long. Um, you know, I can I, I still have like a lot of mental acuity, which is really great. So so we, we were like, all right, we looked at this bar category and we're like, hey, Nutrition bar category doesn't really have anyone talking about um, keto. It doesn't have anyone talking about coconut. It's really all about protein in in that category. And we're like, hey, how could we do it and put our spin on it? So we created a keto bar, used all plant-based ingredients, and then, you know, we brought in flavors like matcha that hadn't traditionally been seen in the bar category. Typically, bar categories, a lot of chocolate and a lot of peanut butter, um, but we're like, hey, we can bring a matcha. We brought a cinnamon in. We brought chai spices, and that's the way we can like put our name on something in the in the bar category. Um, it was actually the, the number one selling bar at Whole Foods last year was Deng Bar, and so really, really great, you know, launch uh, and and that's been a really great, you know, kind of boon to the business. Now, as far as branding goes, you know we. First, we were, we were always actually dang foods. Like the name of the business hasn't changed. It's always been dang foods. Um, and the brand has always been dang, right? And then the lines have been different. So there's coconut chips, rice chips, and dang bar. And so the way that we see the hierarchy is like, you know, that hasn't changed. Um, the packaging has changed. You know, from the very beginning, we wanted something looking clean and natural. Something that says, you know, this is clean and natural without literally putting the words clean and natural on it. So it's always been like, you know, very I guess minimalist, mm-hmm. um, but always very bright colors that are you know evocative of what you see in nature. Um, but more recently, just like earlier this year, we launched our new packaging, which has Thai writing on it. It has um, pictures of myself and my brother. It has more of a story about our mom. It's got more heritage imbued into the package, um, and we invested in that. And, you know, we've got a great branding agency, and actually, our lead designer is also Thai Chinese American, so like she really understood what we're trying to do as far as bringing in the cultural component um, into the packaging. She did a really good job. So um, yeah, we're really proud of, of you know what we have today. Um, and I would say, you know, for anyone who's like starting a business, it's, it's much easier to get the brand right at the beginning, like put a lot of thought into it, get the name right, test it out. You know, if people keep telling you, you know, your brand does not resonating or it means something different than you want it to, like get it right at the beginning. It's easier to make that pivot earlier and then rather than do it later on because that's when you have, you know, distribution and packaging and it just becomes a more expensive endeavor.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love how you guys incorporated your faces and the story of your mother into the whole branding. And that's a part of what AHN is about, you know, like AHN with Asian Hustle Network, we tell people to share their stories and people fall in love with products because they know the story behind the product. And, you know, for you to actually be explicit about, you know, naming Dang after your mother, that's a conversation starter right there, you know, like obviously your mother and your family were big parts of your lives um, and in your business as well. You know, they had a lot of uh, experience with international business, um, which has contributed to a lot of success to Dang Foods. And so I'm very curious, you know, as you were starting out with a pop-up in San Francisco, it sounds like this was your first pop-up. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, so it wasn't my first time doing food, you know, I, 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 I wanted to test out different parts of, you know, the food system. So I worked at a restaurant, I worked at um, farmer's markets, you know, I, I tried catering. So I like I tried a bunch of things before doing the pop up. Okay. Um, but yes, it was my first like fully owned pop up. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And so did you come across any challenges or, you know, struggles along the way while you were building out, you know, all of these pop ups and just scaling down foods to what it is now?
2: Yeah, I mean the pop-up. I only did two pop-ups, so that was a very short-lived, you know, journey. Um, and the reason for doing that is because it's it's really hard to like succeed as like a prepared food company. You know, you have to get together all these ingredients. I was going to Costco getting all these organic chicken thighs. Right, the first time I did it, I was like, the first time I did it, this pop-up, the night it was being held at a nightclub It's called the San Francisco Underground Farmers Market. It was a night market being held at public works, which is a nightclub in San Francisco. And it just been featured in the New York times. So I was like, this place is going to be packed. And I was making chicken satay burgers and I was like, all right, I'm going to make twice as many, you know, they said, prepare 150 servings. I'm going to prepare twice as many. Cause it was just in the New York times. Um, and sure enough, there was like a line around the block, the night of the pop-up and unfortunately like. They didn't, they, you know, there was capacity and they couldn't let everybody in. Um, so I actually ended up having to throw away like 150, you know, chicken thighs and, and buns and sauce and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, I didn't make any money that day because I just threw away all this extra food, you know? Yeah. So big challenge, actually big learning from the beginning. It was like, get your forecasting right. You know, you're rather, you'd rather sell out and like, you know, make sure you go home early <laughs> than yeah. have just too much, you know, too much product and inventory and that's still something we worry about today you know any any consumer package company has to deal with inventory and inventory mm-hmm. is cash right that's like literally cash that you're just sitting there right. so you want to minimize the amount of, of, of days that you actually have mm-hmm. um inventory sitting in your warehouse um now as far as your second part of the question i mean challenges scaling dang yeah i mean yeah. I mean, you name it, we've done it. We've had to go through, uh, you know, we've had hiring to hire the wrong people. Hiring is very, very important. So we starting something out there, you know, I've spent a lot of time uh, focusing on hiring the right people. Um, there's, uh, some books that you can read around that we've read and we, that we follow this, this system called top grading. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very intrusive, but it's, it's meant to be, and you're, you're much better off, um, letting go of somebody good than then hiring somebody bad. So you're, you're much, you you spend a lot of time figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean getting, you know, the retail, the, the world that I'm in, which is like GPG food retail is like, it's pretty cutthroat. Like you have to go up against, you know, Hershey's and Mars and like these really, really deep pocketed, big, uh, companies and they spend to get product on shelf, you know? And like mm-hmm. when you're a small, pro- company, you know, you don't want to spend the money that you like this little money that you have on just getting a product on the shelf, you know, it kind of, it's a rough, it's a rough, uh, it's a rough business and you just have to battle all day. Um, this year in particular, you know, I would say most of the grocery store items and categories has benefited because people are eating more at home and less at restaurants. Okay. That being said, it actually, nutrition bars is one of the only areas of the grocery store that is not doing well uh-huh. because people aren't on the go and nutrition bars are really like a solution for on the go, you know, nutrition. So, um, that part of the business hasn't been doing as well, but the rest of our business have been good. So it's kind of a seesaw effect, you know, the coconut mm-hmm. chips and the rice chips doing good. Um, bar not doing so good this year. Um, so yeah, you know, we've had to raise money. Uh, you know, the first three years, my brother and I were running, you know, basically they're running it just, just with the two of us. Uh, and we didn't pay ourselves a salary.
3: Mm-hmm. And so, and
2: I wouldn't recommend this to everybody out there, but, um, you know, we managed to raise some money, give ourselves some back pay. Um, you know, we, we, we were trying to do whatever we can to, to grow the business and keep things lean. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to grow to a pretty significant size before we raised money, which preserved our equity in the business. So we still own like more than half the business today. Um, even though we raised millions of dollars in capital
3: hmm yeah that's amazing
1: well i mean listening to your story too is one thing that really that really caught my interest is your sense of awareness. Mm -hmm. It's like you knew how to market, you know, coconut oil to a new market and you knew that keto diet was, was going to be the next big thing. And you knew a lot of things that, you know, to help with your marketing, you have to incorporate some of your cultural uh, stories into your marketing. How'd you, how'd you develop the sense of awareness? Like, is it through experience because, or is it through, because you're curious and you read about a lot of different things. Like how did you develop, develop your awareness to pivot, and essentially penetrate into these new items.
2: Um, what's that saying? Like, uh, you know, good artists create and great artists steal, or something like that. <laughs> you know, I, I will say that there's not a ton of like original ideas out there, but I I think what we do well is um is I think what we do well is we kind of identify. We say no a lot. Mm. So like, I think the key strategy is saying no. Right. And we say no to like people want to buy our coconut chips and put on in their yogurt and people want to buy, you know, our rice chips and like sprinkle it and like, you know, use it as ingredient. We just said no to all that stuff Uh because we're like, okay, you know, you really have to focus like any business, you gotta focus on what's your niche and, um, and really just do that and do that really well. Like I honestly think most business, you know, if you say yes to everything, you're just taking on too much. And you know, you have a limited amount of time, you have a limited amount of, of of money um you gotta really spend focus on that um now as far as like the products we create i mean you know i think there's america so so american food culture is relatively young Mm -hmm. you know um we we're still figuring it out here in the u.s partially because you know we're a young country partially because we have so many influences from all over and America is not a single entity, right? There's, there's, there's different regions. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you go to the South, you go to the Northeast, like the way they eat is totally different than the way you do on the Midwest or the West. So, um, in a lot of ways you have to kind of segment in, in the same way as segmenting consumers and decide, okay, who do I want to, hit and who do I not, not, not hit
3: with Mm -hmm. my product.
2: Um, and for us, we always said at the beginning, like we want to hit the, you know, we, we call them like yoga moms. (laughs) Um, someone who's like, yeah, very, you know, health conscious,
3: Uh um,
2: probably has a small family and shops with their family. Um, you know, they tend to be female. Like for some reason, guys have an aversion to coconut. Maybe it's all those commercials with like, you know, (laughs) women like shampooing their hair with coconut. And, um, yeah, we just kind of knew like that was our consumer and, you know, the, the Instagram following reflected that. And, you know, more, later on, we were like, oh, we, we're missing out on this entire storytelling element uh, talking about Asian heritage as well. So we started mm-hmm. doing that. more. Um, and so, you know, I think the closer you get to who you are trying to hit mm-hmm. your consumer target, the more insights you'll get on what what maybe they are lacking and what what shoes you can fill. I like to think of products as doing jobs. So, you know, if you wake up in the morning and like, you know, you want uh say you want a cup of coffee and you want an instant, right? Like Mm -hmm. the 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 product that does the job for that is a K cup. You know, it Mm -hmm. gives you like instant coffee right away. Um or say you're like right after a workout, you you just like just worked out and you want something with some protein, you know, Mm -hmm. um protein bars. R X bar is really good at that. So for us we have like, you know, coconut chips, rice chips and dang bar each each serve different Uh, Purposes throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's very much an important piece of, I guess, a food product is like asking you yourself and your customers, how are you using in your life? Like what's the eating occasion? Mm -hmm. Um, And trying to learn as much as possible about how a product is being Mm -hmm. used. Like what problem is it solving? So if it isn't solving a product, yeah, sure, it could just taste good, but I don't think in my world that's enough to really get you Mm -hmm. to stay relevant. Yeah,
1: absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious, too, like, how long into the process until you start having a defined image of what this customer looks like? You know, a lot of people start their company. They don't know who they're exactly what their niche is, who they're going to market to. Like, how long into your process until until you guys are like, okay, this is the the target audience that we want? You know, We hear this question a lot, too, with our, our other interview uh, host is like when you started did you have a really big cast you didn't know where the niche was. How did you define that niche as you were building your company?
2: Yeah, I think it's I mean it's, I think it's good to start you, you wanna have a hypothesis. I think when you develop any product, it's like an experiment. You want to have a hypothesis like, all right, I'm developing this like, you know, calendar for, you know, sort for, for Gmail and uh, hypothesize that people do use it or people use like Gmail for business, right? Just mm-hmm. like have a hypothesis. I think most founders will have a hypothesis, but then gut checking that again, who's so actually like buying your product. Um, that's really interesting. So, you know, uh, and, and I will say with social media, you can very quickly get demographic information. Mm-hmm. Um, on who's following you. Now, social media tends, at least Instagram tends to be more female heavy, but you know, you can get like age, you can get location. Yeah. um, You can get like a lot of information on like who's following you, who's clicking through your stuff. Um, you know, one thing we benefited from early on was like influencer marketing uh, back in like 2013. Kourtney Kardashian put a, a post of dang, uh, okay. you know, on her Instagram, yeah. which like, you know, got way more traffic than the New York Times when they, when they they featured us. So, um, just knowing that, oh, you know, like Courtney Kardashian, she's a healthy mom, right. And she's known for being one of the healthier, um, members of that family. And okay. The people that are following her now know about dang, like we should Mm -hmm. dig deeper into that. So, um, just kind of seeing who's talking about your product and like, you know, and, and literally going out there and like talking to those people and saying, okay, you know, like you can do interviews and ask to like go in their homes or you can just send them surveys and be like, Hey, what time of day are you eating us? Or how are you using us? Do you like buy us in bulk or uh-huh. do you like give it to your kids? Like just figuring out all that stuff is really important. I think from a marketing perspective. Um, now, yeah, so I guess, when thinking about your consumer segment, like have a hypothesis, test it out and like validate it um, and be very open and like listening to, you know, your consumer about what they, what you could do better or, uh, or what else you could do for them.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Social media is a very powerful tool. And we can see that in this case right here. Um I I'm very curious. How do you? How would you differentiate differentiate yourself from other snack brands? Um, especially right now, I feel like a lot of Asian-inspired brands are coming out, whether that be drinks and snacks and snack bars. I feel like a lot of people are going back to their culture and really um, being proud of it. And so looking back into their culture, seeing like what kind of food their parents have made for them back in the past and really integrating that into snacks. Um, A lot of people are starting to, you know, create these Asian snack brands, right? And so I know like back then, there would be very limited number of coconut chip brands, right? But I would say, you know, like now that there's so many other different Asian snack brands, how would you say
2: you differentiate yourself from those? I would actually ask your guys what your opinion is. Like, how do you think we do it differently? Because you guys seem less it. like, I've been thinking about this for eight years, but you know, you as consumers or potential consumers, like, how do you see it?
0: Mm, I would say, honestly, like going back to the storytelling, like that storytelling piece is so important. And, you know, for you to like talk about your family and the inspiration behind what Dang Foods is and for you to like say that you named this company after your mother, that already pulls on my heartstrings a lot.
1: I also like your bright colors too. It (laughs) really catches my attention. Yeah.
0: And the big dang letters. It's, Mm. um, it's really noticeable. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay, good. So storytelling, branding, yep. um, mm-hmm. packaging. Right. Packaging is okay. important. Yep. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think in order to get your business off the ground, you got to get like all those mm-hmm. like, what, four P's of marketing, right? Price, packaging, mm-hmm. promotion. Um, all those things are really important, right? Now, I think what we do at this point, what we do is different than when we started. When we started, we were like, we were very scrappy. We were like, mm-hmm. I showed up at a trade show. So I couldn't afford it a 10 by 10 booth, like a hundred foot booth. So I got a two foot table in a bigger booth where, you know, it was like shared. And so I would just like stand in my like two feet space in front of the aisle. And like every person who walked by, be like, Hey, try my coconut chips, try my coconut, coconut chips. And like, I must've trampled out like thousands of people. And, um, yeah, you know, my family come to help me cause they were free. <laughs> it was free labor. Um, so like we were very scrappy, uh, especially at the beginning but i think since then we've started kind of maintain this um this spirit of like hey you know like we're still like this kind of upstart um we 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 try to make sure we we're i think i'd say we're very resourceful like there's a lot of ways i think there's a lot of ways you can lose a lot of money <laughs> in our industry um but we really try to like you know make sure that we uh mm-hmm. go through and like bean count um now, as far as like consumer facing, the, I think the difference, I mean, at this point, you know, we've been out there for quite a while and I would hope that people have seen us a number of times and that they remember at least like the name or the packaging. And, you know, sometimes people remember the name, but not the product. But like, you know, after a certain point, you're, hopefully your brand becomes uh, is recognizable you know people are like oh I've seen that before and then it becomes easier to you know launch innovations so line extensions and new products out there right. um, so you know at this point I think we, we actually you know we're we're not one, we're not one of the new guys on the block anymore mm-hmm. you know we, we've been around and uh we, we know we, we don't know exactly. I think we know more than when we started, but we don't know everything. Um, and I would say the world is changing very drastically as far as how people get their food. Um, last year, I think online grocery sales were 4 percent and this year they're 11 yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. And they haven't gone down at all since COVID began. And they don't I don't anticipate you know, that's ever happened. Um, and like business travel is going to change completely. You know, like people are not going to be traveling as much. Uh-huh. So, you know, in this new world that we're living in, it's really like an opportunity for the people that are good at solving new problems. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we like to hire people that solve, are good at solving new problems, not people that like take the same hammer and like apply the same hammer to different problems. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the people that are like very forward thinking at this point saying, okay, how are like, you know, with all this new wave of online grocery, you know, you see new grocers like com and we, which does Asian groceries. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's a lot of niches now, you know, that are being explored through online grocery. And so I think from a brand perspective, that's very similar. You know, like nobody's really created a, you know, a Boba brand for like that you can ship to people very easily, you know, like there's, there's definitely, um, or that you can store on a shelf in a, in a, Supermarket for a very long time. So there's definitely like opportunities for people, um, that are out there looking for it. That's
0: awesome yeah um so we saw a video uh, about four years ago and this was when you were already getting, getting into a bunch of um grocery stores like whole foods um and Kohl- Kroger, and koger and Kohlger, yeah and so you know you mentioned that you're going to be working on um this was four years ago by the way and you you mentioned that you were going to be working on getting into a bunch of sea stores and so how do you determine like what type of grocery stores and sea stores that you
2: would like to partner up with yeah that's a good question so um we call it channel strategy. So what channel do you want to be in? Do you want to be in e-commerce? Do you want to be in the natural channel? That's like a Whole Foods. Do you want to be in the conventional channel? That's like a Kroger. And each channel requires a different approach. Um, each channel also has different economics of, uh, like, how you ship, who you ship to, you know, all that stuff. Um you know, we start with the consumer and like, where are they shopping? And we're like, okay, our consumer shops at Whole Foods, our consumer shops at Sprouts. Like they're a very much more progressive, you know, educated, um, you know, higher income than like your average uh, C-store or, or conventional uh, shopper. So once you start with the consumer and say, okay, where are they shopping? Then, it's, then it should tell you, okay, this is where you should start. Um and then as e commerce started to get popular like back in twenty fourteen, we we're like, Oh, people are buying groceries on Amazon, you know, it's mm-hmm. this is like becoming a thing. We need to like you know, do more here. So we invested and hired people and you know, now our e commerce business is about twenty percent of our total business. Oh. Um And, you know, just two years ago, we launched a direct-to-consumer, you know, website. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's growing as well. So I guess the short answer is start where your consumer is. Mm -hmm. Don't try to do everything because it's going to be very, very hard to try to do everything once, right, um, at once. Um, And start with just one at a time, you know, versus try to hit too many of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. So really great advice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of curious, too, throughout your entire journey so far, what has been the biggest lesson you learned as a founder?
2: Biggest lesson I've learned. I mean, you, the whole journey is a big lesson. Um, so I'm constantly trying to, you know, learn new things. I would say like one piece of advice that, uh, you know, stuck and, and really, um, I've tried to look by more is, uh, do only what only you could do. Yes. I, I think that's what I said. Or another way to say it's like only do what only you can do. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that that can be applied to both your company, but also personally as well. So your company, you know, you should only be doing what you're like, you have to have a competitive advantage. Our competitive advantage was like our family in Thailand, you know, they know the suppliers, they could get out there, they can test the product, they can check for quality before it gets shipped over there. Um, Like they knew the landscape. So that was our competitive advantage. And that was something that was unique to us because we had family there. you know, as we were like, I, you know, we would be uniquely qualified for bringing in, you know, food products from Thailand. Now, as far as personally, it's it's the same thing. Like, what are you personally good at? You know, if you're good at you know, sales and you're good with people, right, then you should probably focus on the sales aspect. If you're really good at, like, innovation and creating products, you should focus on that. If you're great at operations or finance, you focus on that. Outsource everything else. Like, get somebody else to do the rest of the stuff. You know, all the stuff that you're not good at get someone else to do it. Um, you're wasting your time and your energy by focusing on the things that you're not good at. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, delegating. Um, and it's not like bossing. It's different than uh. bossing people, but delegating saying like, hey, you know, we, we, we at our company, we don't have a traditional org chart. We have uh. an accountability chart. So everybody actually has multiple jobs. You know, like we're like, okay, somebody needs to do like accounting. Somebody else needs to do um, shipments. And, you know, that can be the same person. So it's not like, Yeah, we have, have, many people have many responsibilities, um, but we have to make sure that everything gets done and people are accountable for for the tasks that have to be done here. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it sounds like the highlight of this is focus, you know, like, I think I think a lot of people have that shiny object syndrome, where they want to do everything, and this goes back to our original question, and, you know, a lot of people want to do every single thing, and they think they can't do every single thing, because they don't want to delegate, and they think it'll be faster to do mm-hmm. it themselves, but it's really refreshing to hear you say, you know, like, it's important to delegate, and just focus on the thing that you are comfortable do- with doing, and outsourcing the rest. Mm-hmm. Um and then- one, one thing
2: I will add to that. Sorry. One thing I will add to that, and something I didn't know early on that I think is relevant for all the hustlers out there, is um, you know, one question we get asked a lot, especially by investors, is what's the category size? So, what's your addressable size of your market? You know, if you're, say, a graphic designer, right? Like, mm-hmm. you kind of want to have an idea of what your addressable market is. Like, is it tech companies that want to develop a new app? You know, for us, it's like, okay, how big is the the, I, the entire market for coconut chips or rice chips or you know mm-hmm. keto-friendly bars. Like that is an element that actually doesn't get enough that typically first timers trying to launch a food product don't understand. Because if you like a, a natural thing that I hear a lot is always like, okay, I want to like bring a sauce, you know, like my mom's, you know, hot sauce is really good or barbecue sauce is really good. Um, but how often do you actually buy Barbecue sauce or hot sauce. It's pretty, pretty not that often, right? It's maybe mm-hmm. like once every four or five months. Four months, yeah. Right. Mhm. Yeah. So, like, think about how often those turns get. In. So, like, you're, you're like, okay, you make a product, and you're like, great, I got this product on shelf. But then you're like, oh my god, I'm only selling like one unit every month.
3: Yeah. You know,
2: that's different than beverages. Like, how often do you buy bottled water, or how often do you buy snack bars? Like, those things get consumed much quicker. So. No, like just I I, I I put it out there as a watch out because it's something I I got looked into. Like I didn't I was like, Okay, healthy stack, like it be good. But then I see how other people kinda of get in with all this excitement. Then they realize, oh my God, you know, I don't know how often my product actually comes off the shelf. So it's something to really, really try to understand before you launch something is like how often does it get Because that that metric it's what's called we call it velocity mm-hmm. is um, super important for not just the addressable size of the business, but also how fast your inventory is turning, you know, how, your sales life needs to be. Like there's, it, it kind of plays into the rest of your business. If you will.
3: yeah, it's oh, amazing.
2: That's crazy. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: And did you learn all this throughout like, your journey or did you know this before? Did you read books about it? Yes. Find mentors or like how do you acquire these type of knowledge? Do um, like the whole philosophy thing and the category size. Like how'd you, how'd you learn about this?
2: Yeah. I didn't know anything about this stuff when I started Um, (laughs) So my my education was in engineering and then I Uh did, I was in repurchasing. So I was like, Oh, I want to help the world through sustainability and sustainable products. So I helped like the city of New York, um, uh, buy greener products, so hybrid cars. I wrote a thesis on hybrid cars and hybrid taxis and they were like, Oh, this is cool, come come help us do this. So um, my interest has always been like consumer products, but also like the healthier, greener side of things. Um but I never was like uh, I guess my parents kind of exposed me to like business, but I didn't really know Anything about this food CPG industry, about supermarkets and how to sell to them and shelf space and how competitive it is and all that stuff. So that was just like, uh, yeah, just doing by try, like learning by fire and getting, that. you know, finding mentors. Yeah. We got advisory groups together. And, um, yeah, at the time too, there's not, there weren't many Asians in our industry and there still are not. Like it's a very, um, I guess there's there's not I'm actually part of a group called Jedi Collaborative that's looking to increase the amount of diversity on boards and on leadership level at the leadership level. Mm -hmm. Um, So but, you know, I I will say that it's been a very welcoming industry and people have been very, um, very kind and willing to share everything. So it's not like, you know, you can't talk to competitors like I often. I always think it's actually best to be friends with your competitors so that you can talk about how to, you know, grow the all right. rising tide lifts sell boats, so like grow the category together. So, mm-hmm. um, cause then if you, if you start, if you can work together to grow a category, then you actually have a great story to tell the retailer, Hey, I deserve more shelf space or I deserve more, mm-hmm. you know, more facings. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely
0: agree. Yeah, definitely. I agree, you know, being friends with your competitors and maybe there's something that they're doing that you're missing or vice versa. Right. Or, you know, there's also room for collaborations on that end. Um, and
1: it's mindset. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. And so like while you were growing Dang, um, you know, you, you talked about hiring the right people. I think a lot of people who are starting their own businesses, they have trouble figuring out what type of people they want to bring onto their team and what are the right people to bring onto their team? What would you say would be the things that you typically look
2: for when you're bringing on people to your team for Dang? That's a great question. Um, you know, it's, it's, I would say the ultimate thing that I'm looking for that is really hard to test out in the interview process is a level of ownership. Because as an owner, you know, you have you care about your business and your company so much, right? You like yeah. live and die, and you you sleep you know, thinking about it, you dream about it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the best thing you can have is somebody else who does the same thing, and you know, someone who you're not just telling what to do, but someone who's proactively being like, okay, I know what we're trying to do as a business. So let me go out there and help you do it and I'll bring you solutions. I'm not going to bring you all the problems. So like, um, we, I would say, you know, our, our hiring process, and I can go through the whole hiring process if you have time, but, I, I would say one of the most underrated parts of the hiring process is the reference check. Because mm-hmm. and, and not just the references that they give you, but the reference like we ask it for every single um person who supervised you at like all of your jobs. And we try to and we try to talk to all of them. Yeah. Because I want a whole picture. I don't want. I don't want the person that you tell me that you go out and get you know drinks with after work. I want the person who didn't like working with you. You okay. know, and
0: <laughs> you do your yeah,
2: whole. It's work. An I love it. I love it. It's, no, it's an intense process, but it gives yeah. a better picture. Like I'm trying, I'm not trying to get the rosiest picture of yeah. who you are, but I want to know how you work. And the best people to talk to are the people we've worked with in the past. Right. right. And the people that, if the people, every single person you worked with tells me, oh my God, I would hire them in an instant again, then then that tells me something really good, you know? Mm-hmm. But if they're like, yeah, you know, like she was like a 6 out of 10 or 7 out of 10, like, you know, that tells me like, oh, okay, might not be the right person like I want I want every single person I hire to be like fuck yeah like I need to hire this person (laughs) you know Um, because and if they're not we'll pass like I'm okay with that But I want to be excited about every single person because, again, small team, people do a lot of things. You have to be accountable for a lot of stuff. And we want you to act like an owner.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. But no lie. Like, that's the most effective method, you know, to actually reach out to the people who they've actually worked with. Yeah. We hire people,
1: too, (laughs) so we know. (laughs) And,
0: like, some companies don't even do reference checks. It's like, how do you know what type of person they are? But here's to all the listeners out there who are trying to apply for Dang Foods, getting nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Can
1: you find it heavier?
3: <laughs> Awesome.
0: Well, what would you say would be like your five to 10 year plan um, in the future for Dang Foods and what do you have in store?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you know, we just launched um, Nutrition Bars, and so those, you know, this year has been a, a challenging speed bump for them because people aren't buying as much um, Nutrition Bars in general. But uh, our, our future is bright for Nutrition Bars. I'm actually going to launch a couple new items next year around that, so stay tuned for that. Um, in the, In five to ten years, so what I would love to do, right, like my dream is to create an Asian American snack company that I can – you know, get known for being healthy, delicious, simple ingredients and then take it to Asia. Yeah. You know, I want to take start it here and then take it to Asia because There's just the same need for snacks, you know, healthy snacks in Asia, huge markets, right? China, Japan, like we're talking about, like, addressable market size, Uh like one and a half billion people in China. Um, Diabetes is a growing concern in Asian and Asian American communities. Uh And like, that's something that um, some of our products do help with all the keto, like no low carb items. They all help with that. So I'd love to be able to address, you know, metabolic diseases over there as well. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's the dream. It's like, you know, create the first Asian American snack brand that's internationally known and then, you know, be able to take it overseas, um, so that we can actually, uh, you know, impact more people.
0: Yeah. Love it. Bringing it full circle. Inspiration came from Asia, you know, it started here in America and you're bringing it back to Asia. Love that.
2: Love that
1: strategy.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny. I, so I actually went to visit this town in China Mm-hmm. So my, my grandparents are from uh, South China, Chowchow, which is outside of Guangzhou. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never actually gone there because my family now is in Thailand, right? But um, when I met my now wife, she was like, oh, actually, my grandparents are from Chowchow also. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we met here in the US, but uh-huh. uh, we actually met at Burning Man. But we did not, um, and then we connected. We were like, "Oh, we're so similar! Oh, you're from New York. Oh, I'm from New York. Oh, your grandparents are from Chow. Chow? so am I." Um, and now we have a we have a new baby, four month old baby at home.
3: Aww. But
2: um, yeah, she invited me to like go visit her grandmother and her, her like uncles live in Chow, Chow. right? And so I'm like driving around, getting a tour of Chow, Chow which is oh. like an you know, old city. Um, and I was like, oh, I was going to say, well, what are like the big industries here? And one of the uncles was like, oh, we're really good at, you know, ceramics. And we're actually very, we're actually known for our snacks here. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. So like, my grandparents were born in this like snack Actually, like, really good food area in uh-huh. China. And I'd say it's becoming known, especially nationally within China, it's becoming known as, like, a foodie destination. Yeah. It's got really good seafood. It's got, like, just amazing produce. Um, it's perfect. And so it's kind of like the food capital, one of the food capitals in China. Yeah. And then when I went to visit there, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I had no idea that, like I, you know, I just ended up doing snacks here in the U.S. But like I came from an area in China that's like known for their snacks. Right. Um. In, even though I didn't, I didn't know that. You know, somehow we fell into this, yeah. that, that career path. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's destined to happen. I thought that was <laughs> serendipitous. <Yeah. laughs>
0: Definitely. What would you be? Um, what 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 would you say would be your one advice to aspiring entrepreneur? Starting out in their business,
2: yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I think what, especially these days, when it comes to like marketing and branding, mm-hmm. I think it, it you have to be bold. So my, my advice to be bold. Um, you know, don't be afraid of like telling people who you are. Right. I think at the beginning we were like, oh, we kind of want to just like sell a product as a healthy, natural product, but we weren't really telling people who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know. I think especially today we all create connection and if some, if you tell some people your story, they'll, they'll, you know, even if they're not like an Asian immigrant, like they'll find something in there that way in them, whether it's like, okay, you know, you, you worked at a restaurant, you worked at a pop-up or like, you know, you want to make food that like a recipe that your mom made you so like, everyone like there's there's human universal elements to every story i think um and don't be afraid to tell people that and like you know there's a lot of static and a lot of noise i would say particularly you know with um influencer marketing social media so like you just got to find a way to make a splash and uh being quiet is not the way to do that absolutely agree, I agree. yeah yeah,
0: I get that from just seeing the word "dang" on your on your snacks. Just so bold and and bright. Mm-hmm. Sometimes
1: I walk by your snacks and I'm like, "Dang!" <laughs> yeah,
3: I do know, it's, good.
1: It's, it's
2: yeah, for me. That's <laughs> yeah. I mean that—that's you know one of the very first. Thing. I think I would say the best business student I made was naming the company "Dang." Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think, and then, and then our tagline is "Dang, that's good" because naturally people were just saying that, you know, when they tasted the product, um, and that hasn't changed since the beginning. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. yeah, that's our approach to like trying to get it in your mind. <laughs> like you're yeah. really trying to buy it. It works. It works. So um, yeah, that's how we do it.
0: <laughs> awesome <laughs> all right well how can our listeners learn more about you online Vincent?
2: yeah so uh, if you want to learn more about Dang check out mm-hmm. you yeah, know come to Um you can learn about our story you can order our products you can actually order swag too so we got like nice. uh, bomber jackets we have auntie visors it's like mm-hmm uh, dang red and like, yeah, they are like visors for you to do your accounting. In. Mm-hmm. Um, we sell like utensil stuff. So this oh. fun stuff, not just, not just food on there. Awesome. Um, so yeah, check out that website.
0: Awesome. And, um, just wanted to give a quick shout out. You know, we um, also have Dang Foods
1: on our Asian Marketplace. On our Asian
0: Marketplace. So if you guys want to head over to AsianHustleNetwork.com yeah. um, and head over to our Marketplace, you can find Dang Food products on there as well with a discount. So go ahead and check
2: that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. get yourself a referral fee.
0: Exactly. (laughs) well thank you so much for sharing your story vincent it was amazing hearing from you
1: yeah thank you so much for being the podcast today yeah anytime thank you guys and have a dang good day (laughs)
3: thank you you too hey
1: guys we hope you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the show
0: we would like to get to the top 10 on itunes so be sure to leave us a five-star review we release an episode every single wednesday so stay tuned
1: thank you guys so much